Hey there, welcome to Skincare School, your ultimate skincare study guide. My name is Amy Clark and I'm Adore Beauty's Senior Editor. And I'm Michelle Wong of Lab Muffin Beauty Science. This week on Skincare School. Even if you can't get freckles like me, you can still get lots of sun damage and you can produce sunspots really easily. So my dad is basically a giant sunspot now. His whole face is just like, they're all merging into one. Yeah, it sounds like with hyperpigmentation, it's just like we've all got to live our lives. It's not something where you'd say, oh, okay, well, you, you can never go outside again. As Amy said earlier, prevention is always better than treatment. It's sort of like how it's better if you've got a white shirt to prevent it from getting stained in the first place than to try to <laughs> deal with the stain afterwards. Words to live by. Welcome to week 11 of skincare school. We are pretty close to the finish line. It's basically like when you're in school and there's only a few weeks left and you know that the holidays are on the other side. That's kind of like how we're feeling today. Um, But we are going to be talking about pigmentation, which is probably one of, I would say, the most commonly Googled skincare concerns. Um, But we're going to break down actually what is pigmentation and what we're actually talking about when we say the word pigmentation, as well as the different ways to treat it. We're going to bust some myths and, uh, as always, talk about some best-in-class products. So, Michelle, take it away with pigmentation. Pigment is melanin. Melanin is the natural pigment in our skin, and there's a bunch of different types. And that's the reason why our skin and hair have different colors. So there's different types, there's different concentrations, which is why some people have red hair, like Amy here with her beautiful yeah. mane. And why I and have freckles. Oh, and freckles. I am so jealous. I've always wanted to have red hair and freckles because I thought it was the cutest Aww. thing. And instead, I got black hair and just giant sunspots. <laughs> So melanin is produced in special cells called melanocytes. These live at the bottom of the top layer of your skin, the epidermis, and it produces the pigment and it releases it in little parcels. These parcels rise up and then you see the pigment on top of your skin or they sometimes actually bury themselves down, which is annoying. We will get into that. (laughs) So the reason your skin produces pigment is in response to different things. So obviously there's genetics. If you have a particular color hair, then it's probably because your parents had that color hair. But there's also other triggers as well. The biggest one, which I think is pretty obvious, is sun exposure. So the sun's UV can trigger pigment and it can also make existing pigment get darker as well. There's also other internal things apart from genetics. So there can be things like hormones and age. So as you age, the things inside your body work different ways and they tell your pigment cells to do different things. There's also inflammation as well, which I think a lot of us who have acne know already because after your pimple goes away, you end up with a brown spot and that is also pigment. So that's abnormal pigment. And of course, there's melanoma. Melanoma is when cancer causes your melanocytes to go a bit nuts. And if you see a spot that changes extremely rapidly, then that is a good sign that you should get it checked out. It's a suspicious mole. I think skin checks are one of those things that we all put off. It's, you know, oh, do I really need to go get my skin checked? And if you're like me, I have freckles covering pretty much my entire body. So these appointments take some time because they've got to go through and literally check almost every freckle everywhere. But definitely please go and get a skin check, you know, once yearly. And now, Michelle, I want to ask you because we've kind of, you and I have realized that often we talk about pigmentation, 
but that we're, it's kind of we're misusing the term because when people are talking about pigmentation, they're usually talking about something called hyperpigmentation. So can we kind of break down what the difference is here? Yeah. So as you might expect, normally your skin is meant to be a particular color um, based on your genetics. But if you have hyperpigmentation, this is when you have uneven pigmentation that isn't really meant to be there. So abnormal pigmentation. So usually this is when it gets uneven, when you have patchy pigment. This sort of pigment, usually it's brown if it's shallow in your skin. If it's a bit deeper in your skin, it can look a bit blue-gray. Yeah, basically abnormal is when it's uneven. Normal is when it's largely even. And the other thing too about hyperpigmentation is that it can kind of, I mean, everyone's different, but commonly what you'll hear people talking about is like a hyperpigmentation moustache or over the forehead. There are kind of certain areas in the face that seem to be prone to hyperpigmentation, isn't there? Yeah. So for example, in melasma, which we'll get into in a bit, um, there are large patches and normally that's on your cheek and nose. I guess another way of seeing if you have abnormal pigmentation is if it wasn't there like last year, let's say. It's something that arises suddenly it'll be like a wash of brown for example on a particular area or little brown spots yeah and some people also find that if they spend time for example say you go to queensland and you spend some time in the humidity and the sun that even if you are wearing your spf it just seems to bring out that pigment that the See, I'm using the wrong word. It brings out the hyperpigmentation. Um, so sometimes some people find that it comes out after summer when naturally you're just outside more, things like that, and where you were talking about the different triggers. And then just to make things a little bit more complex, let's talk about the different types of hyperpigmentation because we want to think of hyperpigmentation as the what, what are those diagrams called when there's one at the top and then there's some lines coming off? I'm thinking of like an org chart or something. Uh, yeah. If hyperpigmentation is the CEO of this company, what then comes underneath? So there's a bunch of different ways of classifying pigmentation or hyperpigmentation. Um, we can classify it by depth. So there's like epidermal hyperpigmentation, which is a bit more shallow. There's dermal, which is a bit lower. And there's also some types which are in between and both. As you can probably expect, the deeper it is, the harder it is to treat, especially with things that you put on your skin, like skincare. We can also classify it based on how it comes about. So for example, there's sunspots, which as you expect, comes from the sun. Um, and you'll mostly find this on parts that are exposed to the sun. So things like your face, your chest, your hands, your shoulders. There's also melasma, which is mostly hormonal. So it comes about if you're pregnant or if you're taking the birth control pill. So 10 to 15% of pregnant people end up getting it and about 10 to 25% of people who are on oral contraceptives. And this is usually in large patches. It's normally on your cheeks and your nose, but it's also called like the pregnancy mask. So you can expect it takes up a large area of your face. Then there's probably the most common type, which is post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. This is the one where after your pimple goes away, you end up with a brown spot for like four months or something. Um, this is very annoying. I get this a lot. This is because of trauma. If there's trauma, your skin gets inflamed and that inflammation triggers that pigment production in that particular spot. So yeah, you'll see it after pimples, you'll see it after cuts and scrapes as well. And this is actually something because often... Um 
as I've already mentioned a thousand times, I have a lot of freckles. And this is one thing that I feel like works in my advantage because when I, because I also get post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, but it kind of just looks like my other freckles. And so it kind of just all blends in together. Um, so I can thank my parents for that one. But now let's get into busting some myths. As we've done every week so far, I'm now going to quiz Michelle on some myths about hyperpigmentation because there are a few out there. And let's start with who gets hyperpigmentation and who doesn't. Are some skin types or skin tones more prone to hyperpigmentation than others? Yeah, so hyperpigmentation can happen to pretty much anyone. It's largely genetic in basis. But in general, people who have darker skin and hair are usually more affected because they have the ability to produce more melanin. And so when their body gets that trigger, then they're more likely to spurt out more brown stuff, basically. And on the skin types, as you mentioned before, if you are acne prone, then there's a good chance that you will experience more often that post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation than, say, a dry skin type who doesn't really get any breakouts and hence isn't probably popping their pimples all the time and causing (laughs) trauma to the skin. Exactly, yeah. So depending on what you're exposed to, like how often you're exposed to those triggers, so if you're in the sun a lot more for whatever reason, then, yeah, you're probably going to get more hyperpigmentation if you have more pimples, if you cut yourself a lot, which I walk into things all the time. Yeah, so My legs are covered in little scrapes that have gone brown. Yeah. And that's the other thing. That's such a good point. You've reminded me to bring up, like, for example, I have this point on my knee where like, I don't know, I fell over a fence at some stage when I was a, a kid and I've still got that little kind of pinky purpley mark there on the skin. And so this kind of forming of pigment from trauma doesn't just happen on your face. It can happen anywhere on your body where you might fall over or you have an injury or whatever. Um, Moving on to freckles, and I might have just put this question in for my own learning, Mm -hmm. but is there a difference between, you know, the freckles say that you are born with, quote unquote, as in I came out the womb with some freckles and obviously I've got some more as I've gotten older, but is there a difference between people that have freckles versus sunspots and hyperpigmentation? So freckles are genetic. If you have a particular gene, then you're going to have freckles and they're thought to be protective. So melanin is sort of like your body's natural sunscreen. It's not a great sunscreen. It's pretty weak in its protection, but your body puts it out as a response to sunlight. And so if you have really light skin like Amy and you have freckles, those freckles will get darker when you get exposed to sun because your body is trying to protect itself. In other words, like your body is just easily triggered by sunlight. So you can't really avoid all sun completely. It's just impossible. And so your freckles are going to get darker even if you have the tiniest bit of sun exposure. Even if you can't get freckles like me, you can still get lots of sun damage and you can just produce sunspots really easily. So my dad is basically a giant sunspot now. His whole face is just like they're all merging into one. Oh, that sounds like my shoulders. Like literally my shoulders, all the freckles are now just one giant freckle. (laughs) So true or false, you can get rid of pigmentation for good. I guess technically true, but in reality, it's pretty much impossible 
So first off, it's really hard to get rid of pigmentation. Even if you do in-clinic treatments, a lot of the time you'll have to have multiple treatments and you'll have to go back. You can't just go once and get it all done. And one of the reasons is just that if you're prone to hyperpigmentation, you're probably going to be exposed to more triggers. Like no one can avoid the sun forever. You can't avoid acne forever if you've already got some acne hyperpigmentation. If you've been exposed to triggers before, you'll probably continue to be exposed to triggers throughout your life. And the other thing too is that what we often say, and we'll get to this in the best in class in terms of treatment and prevention always being better than a cure, is that hyperpigmentation, it can kind of, when it pops up, it can pop up And it's there, but it can take a really long time to get rid of it, Mm. which is why it's more of an ongoing maintenance. You know, one laser session or using a product is not going to then mean that you're never going to get your hyperpigmentation back again. It's more of an ongoing maintenance, doing all the things um, to kind of give yourself the best chance of minimising that skin concern. What about dark armpits and knees? Because some people find that the skin around their knees or their armpits is darker in colour. Is that normal, quote unquote? Normally it is normal. So your armpits and knees, they're areas that tend to have a bit more skin because they're bunched up. And so if you have more skin there, then you're going to have more melanin. Your skin also tends to thicken when you have friction. Um, And that friction can also lead to, you know, tiny amounts of inflammation that can build up over time and you end up with a darker area. So if you reduce friction, then it can become lighter. So for example, if you kneel on your knees a lot for work, then you might find that if you kneel less or if you're gentle on your knees, it might get lighter. But in reality, most people around the world have this. Like most people around the world are darker skinned and yeah, kneeling on your knees, um, wearing clothes that are in your armpits, all of this is very normal stuff. There are a few conditions where you can get abnormal pigment. So if you find that your armpits and knees suddenly get darker very suddenly, then you should get it checked out because it might be a sign of an underlying condition, but it is largely normal. Yeah, it sounds like with hyperpigmentation, it's just like we've all got to live our lives. It's just it's it's not something where you'd say, oh, okay, well, you, you can never go outside again or you're going to have brown spots on your face or you can never kneel on your knees and be at the bottom of the slippery dip to catch your kid when they come at the bottom. Um, so it's just about knowing that, you know, there's nothing wrong with you with these things. It's just part of life, part of enjoying life. And kind of on that note, my last myth-busting question for you, which I know you are going to, ha- to absolutely have – froth at this question (laughs) is what about these DIY pigmentation treatments? So some things on the internet that apparently can help are lemon or lemon juice, putting potatoes on your skin or tomato. Like what's the go with these kind of treatments? So DIY treatments, they can be risky. And I think a lot of the time it's not obvious that it's risky because these are things you have around the house and they seem quite nice. But Lemon juice, there is actually an example in the literature where a woman was using lemon juice on her face to try to lighten hyperpigmentation, and she actually got hypopigmentation, which is the opposite of hyperpigmentation when you get less pigment than you should have. So she actually got white spots. Yeah, which... I'm pretty sure no one wants white spots either. If they're trying to get rid of darker spots, you don't want lighter spots at the same time. Yeah, so basically the lemon juice probably killed some of her melanocytes so much that they stopped producing the normal amount of pigment. So 
This is a risk that can happen. And so it's much safer and more effective to use a properly formulated product. There are some things that I think are relatively low risk, like potato and tomato, because they're less acidic. But yeah, it's always safest just to use something that was meant for your skin and not just put food on your face. And also, is that not just a waste of a perfectly good potato? I would (laughs) much rather put that potato in the oven or in the air fryer. Um, So yeah, maybe save the potatoes for chips. All right, so right before we get into the best-in-class products, let's talk a bit more generally about your options for dealing with hyperpigmentation. As Amy said earlier, prevention is always better than treatment. Hyperpigmentation a lot of the time can be quite deep, and again, the deeper it is, the harder it is for skincare to reach. So it's sort of like how it's better if you've got a white shirt to prevent it from getting stained in the first place than to try to (laughs) deal with the stain afterwards. Words to live by. Exactly. Um, It's just much easier to prevent it in the first place. And I think we've probably drilled this into everyone so many times. Sunscreen. Episode two, go back to that. Find a good sunscreen. Sunscreen is your first line of defense. The sun is the biggest source of hyperpigmentation triggering. There's also the fact that your skin is a living organism. A lot of the time it can process and remove hyperpigmentation on its own as long as you stop like hitting it constantly with UV. There's also the fact that a lot of treatments are actually going to make your skin a bit more sensitive to the sun. And part of that is just because you're getting rid of melanin and melanin is your skin's natural defense against UV. So sunscreen, don't forget also UV protective clothing like hats and sunglasses and shirts. These are also great. So in addition to sunscreen, as we've mentioned before, antioxidants can also help protect your skin from the sun. Vitamin C in particular is one of the best antioxidants we have. And so it can prevent the formation of pigment and it can also help fade pigment. So what it does is it can reverse one of the steps in melanin production. Melanin production is a really complicated process and there's a whole bunch of little steps there. And there are lots of different ingredients that can deal with some of those different steps. And there are also other ingredients called pigment inhibitors that can do this as well. We'll be covering a bunch of these as we go through our best in class. And so, yeah, they just interrupt the melanin formation and distribution process. We also talked about retinoids in episode, Amy? Four. Four. (laughs) So vitamin C is episode five. And then go back to episode four if you want to know about everything vitamin A. Yeah. So these vitamin A derivatives, they can also help. There's also chemical exfoliants, which is Amy episode. Oh, (laughs) episode six. Amy's pop quiz. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Chemical exfoliants, they get um, rid of skin cells, like dead skin cells from the surface. And so that can speed up your skin cells coming out. And so if you're getting more skin cells through, then the pigment is sort of getting diluted as well. So yeah, we'll go through all of these different ingredients, but keep in mind that skincare is mostly effective on your top layers. It can go a bit deeper, but it's probably going to be better if you go to an in-clinic treatment, if you have deeper pigment. Probably the most commonly seen or spoken about in clinic treatment for hyperpigmentation is laser and one of those lasers is called Fraxel. I've had Fraxel. It's called it's fractional laser um, and its nickname is Fraxel. Basically there can be different strengths. It's kind of like turning a light dimmer, you know, up full strength or you can have a lower strength. And what I had was baby Fraxel. So uh, so Fraxel in a very low setting. Um, but I actually had that for 
hyperpigmentation, but mostly because what I was talking about before where I have my natural freckles and then I also have some sunspots and they're all starting to merge together into a bit of a patchwork quilt Mm -hmm. kind of effect on my face. But Michelle, actually, I'm going to throw to you to explain how Fraxel actually works. The light from the laser gets absorbed by the pigment and it heats up. It's a little bit like how when you go into the sun wearing black, your body starts heating up because the black's absorbing the light from the sun and turning it into heat. And so that amount of heat actually breaks up the pigment. And so it breaks up and then it can get shed with the skin. And then, so yeah, often you'll find if you Google skin treatments for hyperpigmentation, Fraxel will usually come up there. It's not without its risks or downsides or downtime, I should say, because it does take, I think, my skin, basically the pigment, it kind of scabs off. It's really quite interesting. You'll find the pigment, yeah, comes to the surface almost as little scabs. You're not allowed to pick them or exfoliate or anything like this. You've got to wear sunscreen like even more hardcore than what you would usually do because your skin's so sensitive to the sun at that stage. There is some downtime, but definitely go and speak to a skin professional, you know, a dermatologist or a, a skin therapist if you want to find out more about in-clinic hyperpigmentation treatments. But now let's get on to some skincare products. The first best-in-class product we're going to talk about for hyperpigmentation is the Aspect Pigment Punch Plus. So this is a skincare product, a topical skincare product, and actually it works in a way that I'm going to yeah throw to Michelle again to explain the ingredients, but when we were talking about a pigment inhibitor, so this is one of those products that's a pigment inhibitor. Yeah, so this has a whole bunch of antioxidants that have brightening activity because they interrupt the pigmentation process. This has so many, um, and I've put them in order of increasing difficulty for me to pronounce. So let's find oh. out how I go. <laughs> There's vitamin C, niacinamide, which is vitamin B3, which we talked about earlier. There's daisy extract. There is hydroxyphenoxypropanoic acid. There's melanostatin 5. And there's rumix occidentalis. Well done. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you'll see these names come up repeatedly with different pigment products because they are all relatively well-researched ingredients for pigment. And so, yeah, we will come across these again. And basically this is like an evening treatment that you can use on your skin. And Aspect Pigment Punch also comes in a body product that it's kind of relatively new. And I did write an article, like I road tested it on my, I call them my Europe sleeves because (laughs) when I went to Europe, when I was 19 and I got really excited about the fact that I could tan. And so obviously this is do not do what I did. Um, I was 19, I was young, I didn't know what I was doing then. But basically I just got really excited about the fact that I didn't need to wear SPF 50. Um, to, <laughs> but you did. You know, I know. <laughs> but then so I, I now have these, well, had, they've softened a little bit, but I had these sleeves essentially from where I was wearing a dress, a, a, a sleeveless uh what do you call them? Like a dress with really short sleeves. Spaghetti, spaghetti. straps. Yes, yeah, spaghetti <laughs> straps. I don't wear those anymore, obviously, because I protect my shoulders. But I, you could actually see a definitive line oh. where that hyperpigmentation had formed. If you want to know more about the body product, it's definitely not as strong or going to be as effective as, say, having a laser treatment on your body. But you can read more about that. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, so that's probably one of our best-selling pigment products on a door. 
And then the next one is the SkinCeuticals Advanced Pigment Corrector. So this one, again, has a mix of ingredients. You'll find that a lot of pigment products do have a mix of ingredients because they all work in slightly different ways and they all complement each other. So this one has salicylic acid, which acts as an exfoliant so that it helps speed up how quickly your skin cells come up. So if you've got spots in there already, then it helps those fade. You've also got the hydroxyphenoxypropanoic acid again, which interrupts part of the melanin production process. So it's when the melanin goes from the cells to the surface of your skin, it interrupts that. There's also ellagic acid, which is an antioxidant that helps block the excess melanin. And there's also yeast extract, which helps increase your skin's resistance against more pigment forming. Again, this one's a treatment product. They do say you can use it morning and night, but if you are going to be using a product like this in the morning, you must, 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 must follow with enough sunscreen. But generally, you'd be using a treatment product like this one in the evening. And then our last best-in-class product for hyperpigmentation is the Cosmetics Simply Brilliant 24-7 Brightening Serum. This serum, again, is one of our best-selling products on Adore when we're talking about the treatment for hyperpigmentation. It's a high-strength serum that's meant to help in fading the appearance of, you know, hyperpigmentation, dark spots, and post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. And I've just had a look at the ingredients list again, and some of those, it's those same words coming up again and again. Yeah. So this has lactic acid and salicylic acid, which are the chemical exfoliants that speed up your skin cells coming off. There's also a whole bunch of antioxidants, niacinamide, ferulic acid, ascorbic acid, vitamin C, daisy extract, Rumex, oxygentalis extract, um, and there's also licorice extract. And on top of that, there's also two more um, extracts, which are, I think they're patented, whitenol, which is a red algae extract, and waltheria, which is another um, natural ingredient both of these, again, do that brightening and they also help prevent future pigment. So, Michelle, I'm going to let you have a break from pronouncing all those <laughs> long and hard words. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> well done. Um, so that is everything that you kind of need to know about hyperpigmentation. Again, this is one of those skin concerns where it's always best to go and see a skin specialist, a dermal clinician or a dermatologist to go and have your skin personally assessed. But I hope that this episode has kind of pushed you in the right direction in terms of knowing what steps to take next. And next week for our last episode, my God, I might get emotional, um, is we are talking all things aging. So we kind of, we've saved, I guess, the most, probably the most common skin concern for last in terms of aging, signs of aging, fine lines and wrinkles. Um, So we'll see you next week for that one. Thanks for listening to Skincare School. If you're a bit of a teacher's pet, you'll find links to all the extra readings and products mentioned in this episode in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe in your podcast app and you'll get a notification the second our next episode drops. And while you're there, you might as well tell us what you think about our podcast. Leave us a review and a five-star rating. And don't forget to tell everyone in your life about Skincare School because at the end of the day, we are here to serve. See you next week.